And all God's people said, Amen. Have you worshipped today? Have you? <laughs> Have you worshipped today? Amen. It is a joy to come into this diverse house of God, into this diverse body of Christ. There's always something reflecting that diversity, and we celebrate still that theme from our global conference, one body, many parts. Especially enjoy in our worship how often we get to hear music from other traditions and other languages. And if God lays upon your heart a song in your own culture, from your own country, and in your own tongue, never hesitate to reach out to Burnt and, uh, and pray with him about the possibility of sharing that with us. And we come now to share together in the Word of God. But we are one body with many parts. So each of you are coming today with your own experiences, your own tradition, your own challenges, and your own understanding. But we seek for those to become one, unified in the Spirit of Christ, that we leave here today with one clear challenge that will change our lives. Would you pray with me before we study the Word together? Lord, our prayer is so simple. We have worshipped, we have sung, we have prayed, we have heard challenging words and celebrated reports, but now our prayer is simple. The message that you have for us today, let us not miss it. In Christ's name, amen. Think about in your life some of the most powerful and important invitations that you've received. Some of them are recognizably monumental and important, like perhaps if someone invites you, would you like to go on a date? That could change your life forever. Or it could lead to another invitation, would you marry me? Such a powerful invitation that would be. Or how about this one? We would like to offer you the job. That's an invitation everyone wants to hear at some point in their life. And sometimes they can be simpler invitations, but no less joyful. Would you come to my party? This is my favorite invitation to receive. I love to be invited to your homes, to your parties, to your celebrations. When I was leaving my last ministry at the children's home, and I told them that I was coming here to Frankfurt to serve at Multination Church, they did what is the custom. They decided to throw a party. I hope not like a celebration party. We're glad he's leaving. But a party to celebrate the time we shared. And in this ministry, they were really good at throwing a good party and at inviting all the right people. And so I know this because it was my department that did this. As the director of community engagement, we often planned parties and threw parties for special people, invited dignitaries and so forth. And they had done it all. They had invited people that were special to me personally and professionally. They had invited representatives from churches and civic organizations that had invited our trustees and, and members of the board of directors and 
certain politicians and they had planned out the details of the event, what my favorite kind of food would be that was going to be there and it was going to be the type of setting that I enjoy, which is relaxed and, and fun and festive. And they invited all these people and then maybe three days before the big celebration, our administrative assistant came and said, one thing I forgot to ask, what kind of dessert would you like at your party? To which I responded, what party? You see, they had invited everyone that they should invite except the guest of honor. <laughs> and she said, oh my goodness, I'm so embarrassed. I'm so beside myself. We're so used to you being a part of planning the parties, we didn't think to invite you. We're going to talk about invitation today. And specifically, invitation to the body of Christ, to the sacred and blessed community of church, to worship on a weekly basis. And we can do all of the planning and preparation imaginable, and we can have everything ready, authentic, genuine worship, meaningful sermons, fun, interactive uh, children's activities and Bible study, nice fellowship with hot coffee, but if we forget to invite the guests of honor, what is the point? I would suggest to you that when we're thinking about inviting the guest of honor to church, we should be thinking about two guests. There is the ultimate guest of honor, the head guest, for whom the head table is reserved. He is the head of the church. We should invite the Spirit. And if we have not invited the Spirit of God into this place, then why are we here? But for today's sermon, that's another sermon. For today's sermon, I would invite us to think about how important it is to invite another honored guest. And that is the seeker. We'll talk more about what that might mean to be a seeker. But in short, it's to those who have not connected with the body of Christ. They are not a part of the church. And when we say church, do we mean the bricks and the mortars and the paint and the tile? No, we mean the people who make up the body of Christ. As we think about invitation, I invite you to turn with me to our scripture for this sermon in the Gospel of John chapter 1. This is very early in the ministry, the public ministry of Jesus. And it's, he's only just beginning to call together his disciples and, and the church doesn't even exist yet, but it's forming. And here we see the very essence of what will become the church of God. And in chapter 1, in verse 35, we encounter Jesus along the way calling disciples. It says, the next day, John, this is John the baptizer, who is that voice of Elijah, crying out in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord. John again was standing with two of his disciples. And as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. 
When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, what are you looking for? These disciples of John, these are, these are seekers in a sense. These are people who are open. They're looking for truth. They are looking for Messiah. They're looking for hope in a world of hopelessness. Stability in an unstable world. Peace and purpose in a culture that offers them neither. And they've already begun this journey before they even meet Jesus. They're following John. They're hearing that message, repent for Messiah is coming. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And now here comes Jesus and John says, there he is, the one you've been looking for. And so they begin to follow Jesus. But notice what Jesus says to these two seekers. He turns to them and asks an invitation question. What is it you are looking for? Maybe God could ask you that question in your life right now. What is it you are looking for? Maybe you are not a believer and you would answer the question in the least spiritual way. I'm looking for hope. I'm looking for meaning. I'm looking for purpose. I'm looking for something. I don't know what I'm looking for. I just know there's something I'm missing. Or maybe you're a believer and you would answer the question more similar to these two. You say, I'm looking for a community. I'm looking for a place of belonging. A place where other believers can share with me in my struggles and I can share with them in theirs. So Jesus meets these two disciples of John as seekers, and he gives them that invitation to answer the question, what are you looking for? The story goes on when it says that they said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying. And they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. We see a second powerful invitation. Come and see. It is the, the answer to the question, where are you, Jesus? Where are you staying? The people that we are witnessing to in the world, the people that we are trying to be the light of Christ for, this is the very question that they are asking. They might not know that that's what they're asking, but they're saying, God, where are you? Where are you? Where is Jesus today if not in the church? Again, we're not talking about the bricks and the mortar and the tiles and the paint. We're talking about the blessed community. The people of the church are the church, the body of Christ. And so when the lost world says, Jesus, where are you? I hope the answer is, it's right here. He's in the church universal, which is all believers everywhere, but we proclaim that he is also very near. He is right here, multi-nation church. A place where people can come and encounter God. 
and experience God in real and personal ways. Jesus says to such seekers, come here and see. And they came and they saw. In verse 40, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which means anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who took at, looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter or the rock. You see what is starting to happen? We now see another invitation. The first disciple came and he saw. He encountered Jesus in the community to the place where Jesus was. And immediately he knew, I've got to go get Peter. I know this other guy. He also is seeking. I know another guy. He also is looking for something more. And so he brings Peter with him to where Jesus is. Do you see, brothers and sisters, how this is your Christian calling to find other seekers in the world outside of the doors of this church and say, come to the place where Jesus is. Jesus is everywhere, I get that, but he is present here with each one of you. Now that Peter has come, now Peter can see Jesus. In verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Another invitation. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. You know, Nathaniel's a bit skeptical. And he says to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, you guessed it. Come and see. Our church should not be the best kept secret in Frankfurt. That, that if you are experiencing what I'm experiencing in this place, it is very real encounters with God that are bearing forth through the people of God, through genuine prayer, through true and honest fellowship, a spirit of hospitality and welcome, genuine and authentic worship, biblical preaching and teaching. We may not have the flashiest show in Frankfurt. We might not have the stage lights and the smoke machine. We may not have all the flashing PowerPoints to entertain our, our eyes and our brains. But Jesus is here. Come and see. And as we encounter people in the world, that is our calling, is to go to them and say, come and see where Jesus is in this place. We know he is in other churches, but we know he is here in our church. Come and see. I think invitation 
is such a crucial step in witness. This is the last sermon in our four-part series, Fall in Love with Outreach. It's kind of a play on words. We're in the fall season, but it's also a time where people are seeking and they're open. Christmas is just around the corner and the ears are opening and their eyes are opening. And so in our first Sunday, we talked about the most important of these one-on-one evangelism. This Ethiopian eunuch was traveling about and he didn't understand the message of the prophet, but, but he was approached by the disciple who explained every detail of it, a one-on-one conversation. There is no substitute for that. That is crucial. But once we tell people about Christ, there are, mother, there are other steps after that. We talked the second week about random acts of kindness, that when we show kindness and generosity and hospitality to strangers, we may never know them, but God uses that as a testimony. Last week, Doug shared with us about letting our light shine before others so that they may see our good works and glorify the Lord, that we should not hide our faith. Can people look at your Facebook page, your Twitter X, or your Instagram and know you are a disciple? Or is it hidden under a bushel basket? Can people look at your workspace and and see some testimony of your relationship with Jesus? And now today, in this final one, we come to a fourth important piece of outreach and evangelism. And it's just so simple. Invite people to church. Weekly. Every week, inviting one seeker to come and be here in the community. I would reiterate, this is not a replacement for one-on-one evangelism. That's the starting point. But once we discern that there's an openness, that people are beginning to be warm to the message, now they are what we call a seeker. What is a seeker? A seeker is just that. It's someone whose heart is already being worked on by God, and they're open to more. But how will they experience more apart from the body of Christ? We invite two types of seekers. Two types of seekers that are on the other side of the doors of this building. One, there is the the salvation seeker. This is the one who has never accepted Christ. But they're asking that question in their own mind, what is it I want? What is it I'm missing They've heard the gospel message and they're beginning to open their heart to it. This is the perfect moment to invite such a seeker to come to church where they can see how God is working in other believers. They can see the face of God in your faces here at Multination. There's a second kind of seeker. This is one who already has salvation. They already have a relationship with Christ, but they perhaps are new to Frankfurt, or they've fallen out of the habit of church. And what is it that they want? They want to find again community. 
This is the Christian who, for whatever reason, has just not found their church home. I'm not advocating that you go out and try to gather up sheep from other flocks. One shepherd doesn't go to another shepherd's flock and steal his sheep. But if that shepherd is abusing those sheep, or neglecting those sheep, or if some of the sheep of that flock have turned against that one sheep, is that not the lost of the other 99 There are seekers who are just looking for community. And I would challenge you, brothers and sisters, to think of one person every single week that you can say to them, I know what you're looking for. Come and see. Come and see. Friends, I would ask you, what is hindering you today? What's holding you back from that weekly practice of invitation. Because the reality is, if every one of us who are a part of multi-nation were every week inviting one person to come and see, the numbers would, would testify. I think that when I talk to people about inviting them, it's very similar to the response I get to evangelism, why they don't do one-on-one evangelism. Number one, it's often fear. We are afraid of how they may respond. We're afraid we might not have the right words to say. We are afraid that we'll mess this up or push them away. Or we're afraid that it might have consequences for our friendship, for our job. But Paul wrote to Timothy, we are not given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. It takes discipline to say, come and see. Some people are hindered by apathy. Do you know what this word is? It's, it's really where you don't really feel one way or the other about the lost or about the seeker or the non-churchgoer, sometimes called the unchurched or the post-churched. It's not that you're afraid, it's just doesn't affect you personally. And so we can go about our lives in apathy, not really caring one way or another. This is where I think the Holy Spirit could come afresh and melt the heart of stone. For some, it's not so much apathy as it is, frankly, laziness. It takes work to invite people to church. It takes effort, and maybe we just don't have the energy that we had 10 years ago. This is where Jesus would say, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. The workers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest field. There is no room. I hear this one more than any other. I'm busy. Some of us are going into work in the wee hours of the morning and working into the late of the night. We go to work and the sun is down. We come home from work and the sun is down. Our lives are too busy. Take time, Jesus would say. 
make time. A lot of of truth could be said to this. Someone mentioned to me earlier this week, they said, I think a lot of Christians don't invite other people to church because they're selfish. I don't think any one of us would confess that about ourselves. And yet, when I examine my own life, I can sometimes see the roots of selfishness. Like, this doesn't affect me. This doesn't impact me. This doesn't change anything for me. And I just want to come and enjoy worship, and we want to come and enjoy the music and have powerful worship experiences. But do we see how self-involved we have become? Jesus would say that we should die to ourselves and to all of our selfishness. When I look at these hindering points, these things that hold us back, I will confess to you that when I talk to individual Christians and ask them, do you invite people to church? They reveal to me the number one reason why we don't. It never occurred to them. They didn't know they were supposed to. It just wasn't, we say, on their radar, as it were. And so I want to alleviate you of that hindrance today. That It is not someone else's job. It is not the job of the leaders or the welcome team. It is not the job of other team leaders. It's not the job of the pastor. It is each one of us who make up the church. And so each one of us is called to reach one. Have you heard this saying, each one reach one? How true it is. When I was a little child, I was taught this fun little children's story. It was to take your hands like this and you fold them in and we would sit around on the steps of the schoolhouse and say, here is the church and here is the steeple. Open the doors and see all the people. But if all of the people don't reach out to other people, then it changes and it becomes, here is the church, here is the steeple, open the doors, where are all the people? Each one, reach one. I leave you with this challenge today. This coming week, not next week, not when you have time, But this coming week, I want you to prayerfully consider the name of one person that you know, you know the opportunity is right for invitation. I want you to pray for them for two days. And on the third day, come to them and invite them, saying unto them, come and see. Would you take that challenge? Do you dare... As we say when I was a kid, I double dog dare you to do it. Let us pray. Lord, may we take the dare and the challenge to invite others to be here where we encounter Jesus. Where Jesus is in the life of our laughter and our fellowship. He's in the spirit of our prayers and our worship. And may we invite those seekers, whether they are lost looking for salvation, or saved looking for family. May we invite them to come into the house of God and see that you are good. 
In Jesus' name, we pray for courage, for boldness, for energy, for empathy, and for knowledge. Amen.